0: KMOX Sports. The young swings and it's a high fly ball. Millikens win! Millikens win! This is Sports Open Line.
2: It's a grand
0: slam! Touchdown! Kansas City! On America's Sports Voice. Yes! KMOX.
2: Here we go on a Tuesday night. Welcome in, everybody. My name is Matt Pauley. This is Sports Open Line. We have you all the way until 8 o'clock tonight. We've got a busy program. This is a four-guest night here uh, on Sports Open Line. Luke Korak is going to join us in about 10 minutes. Uh, At the bottom of the hour, we are going to uh, welcome in New Missouri State football coach Ryan Beard. He was just announced as uh, the new coach here uh, yesterday, so he is going to join us. Next hour, we'll talk Missouri uh, football and basketball with Gabe Diarman from uh, Power Mizzou, and we'll talk uh, soccer both World Cup and uh, St. Louis City SC, with our guy, Daniel Esteve. He's going to join us at 735. So we've got a lot going on. As always, if you want to join us between now and then, phone lines are open. You can call or you can text 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900, or you could tweet at me, at Matt Pauli on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. A few things uh, we'll begin into today. The Blues, they win again Four straight wins, and yesterday was one of their best games that they've played this year. A 5-1 victory against uh, Vancouver. I thought that second period where they outscored Vancouver 3-1, That was, that's one of their best periods that they've played this year. If it's not their best, that's a that's a top five period that they've played this year. Jordan Cairo, who's really been playing well recently, he had three goals. It was his first career hat trick. We saw Robert Thomas score. We saw Nathan Walker score his first goal of the season. Jordan Bennington with 33 saves. So, uh, Vladimir Tarasenko had three assists. Nick Letty had two assists. There's just a lot of really good numbers on that box score yesterday. And now they're right back at it this evening. They are on a back-to-back as tonight they're going to match up again. Against Seattle, that game is not scheduled to get started until nine o'clock tonight. Then they'll get a couple days off before playing in Vegas coming up on Friday. So that's uh, one thing of note. Uh, Matt Carpenter, he is a San Diego Padre. There'd been some talk. There'd been a little bit of talk about maybe Carpenter would fit in on the Cardinals. Now you know you saw what he did last year with the Yankees, and he revitalized his career. There was some talk about whether or not it might make sense for the Cardinals to bring him in. It was going to be tough for them to bring him in from a roster construction standpoint, both on uh, the 26-man roster and the 40-man roster. So just that, that never seemingly gained much momentum. But... He's going to go to the Padres. One-year deal. It includes a player option for uh, 2024. Last year with the Yankees, 15 home runs in 47 games before he ended up uh, breaking his left foot in early August. Uh, missed the rest of the regular season, did return in the postseason, but was not able to find that magic that he had for those forty-seven games. It was a lot of fun when he was back in St. Louis when the Yankees were playing the Cardinals, and uh, he did a news session and and everything. It was a it was it was cool to see him be honored that way, uh, just as, as somebody who obviously is a uh, a fan favorite of the cardinals but uh Matt Carpenter he heads to San Diego and joins uh, that Padres team and we'll see how he does there and then maybe the news of the day is the schedule coming out for St. Louis City SC i was thinking about this we were, i was joke kind of, kind of joking around about this every year when the NFL schedule comes out and you're in an NFL market everybody like looks at the schedule and, and they do predictions, which is the stupidest thing. It's the worst sports radio segment in the history of mankind. And let me raise my hand. I have done that segment. I have done that segment. I'm not proud of it. I retroactively look back at it and go, Matt, what were you doing? What were you doing when you were working in Colorado and you were projecting the Broncos record months and months and months before the season was going to get started? Is that? Does anybody actually really care? Well, people do care. That's why that thing still exists in every NFL market. Uh, we can't do that with this. I, I don't know enough to, uh, to to certainly say what's going to be wins, what's going to be losses. I just thought it was kind of funny because you, you think about that for the NFL. Uh, th- for those of you who don't know, because we're all learning MLS together, it is a thirty-four match regular season. That means 17 at home, 17 on the road. They are going to open up their existence on the road. On February 25th, they'll go down to Austin, Texas for a game against Austin FC. Their first home game is going to be on March 4th against Charlotte FC. Um, The vast majority of their games are going to be played on Saturdays. They're going to wrap up the season on October 24th. Mentioned this earlier with uh, Kevin Wheeler. Uh, there, I uh, know it was with Michael Calhoun. I mentioned this. Uh, they're really trying to push the St. Louis Kansas City rivalry here. And if you haven't noticed, Kansas City has turned into a really, really good soccer market. And I think a lot of it has to do with uh, Sporting KC. You know, before the MLS was around, you couldn't find a better city for soccer than St. Louis. And Some other markets, because of their support for MLS soccer, they've really started to become good soccer cities as well. And Kansas City has turned into one of the best soccer cities in the country. So now you have St. Louis and Kansas City, two fantastic uh, cities that – follow soccer, love soccer, and they're three and a half hours apart. So if you're looking for uh, that drive to uh, Kansas City to watch uh, City SC match up against Sporting KC, you're going to be able to do that on September 2nd. So we'll get into all those things a little bit more as we go through uh, the two hours, but up next we'll talk St. Louis Blues hockey. Luke Korak is going to uh, join us and we'll talk about uh, just the Blues run as they've now won four straight and they have also won five of their last seven. We'll talk Blues hockey with Luke
0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: Sports Open Line does continue here on KMOX. My name's Matt Pawley. We're very happy to go to the Quiver River Guest Line And uh, welcome on to Talk Thing, All Things St. Louis Blues, Lou Korak. Lou, thank you for the time as always. How are you?
1: Good, Matt. What's going on?
2: So I got to tell you, we just had a moment of panic here in the studios, and I'll tell you why. I got a tweet from somebody who said that I was saying your last name incorrectly that it is actually Koratz, like K-O-R-A-T-Z, and I went, oh, my God, have I had Lou on all these times and not pronounced his last name correctly? So I very quickly went to YouTube and searched you <laughs> and found about 10 different videos in the short amount of time uh, confirming that I had not been screwing up your last name.
1: No, you have not been screwing up my last name. So let's uh let let's let's throw that out in the water right now.
2: Yeah, so that that's what the that's what the last four minutes in the KMOX studios was. My face turning totally red wow. and going, Oh my gosh, I would feel so bad if I was saying his last name incorrectly.
1: Slow news night. <laughs>
2: No, no, <laughs> just it's more of a look into me than anything else, but uh, but we will move on. Gotcha. Uh, Blues, right. Blues have won four in a row, they get the, the Jordan Cairo hat trick yesterday. I thought that second period yesterday was maybe that's a top four, top five period that they've played so far this year. It's just it's amazing the roller coaster ride we've gone on this year with this team. It's either really good or really bad
1: yeah if you got a yo yo you might you know if it's got a blues logo on it it's uh, it it should have twenty twenty two twenty three team on it it's uh that's pretty much what we've been on here and right now they're on they're on one of these uh little mini highs again and uh you know from a fan's perspective you want them to stay on this and i think um a lot of it a lot of it's been fueled by the fact that they've just been able to tighten things up defensively and really be more mindful uh in the defensive zone and it's and it filters out to the rest of the game, and I think Craig Ruby is pretty much touched on that. That you know, if 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 they're able to just put the screws on things in their own end, get, and in another words, you got to get the goaltending as well. Get the goaltending, be able to be responsible in your end. The goals are going to come, and you saw for a time and a stretch there that where you know you weren't really getting either, and and when you were finally. You know, you're scoring goals, but you're giving you're giving up tons of chances at the other end. But we all know how this team is really built. They're built from the back on out. And I think you're starting to see that more and more. Is it perfect? No. But it's trending in the right direction. And uh, all signs are pointing that, uh, you know, this, this version of uh, the St. Louis Blues is uh, not dead and buried yet like uh, a lot of people perhaps maybe had them out to be.
2: Jordan Bennington's been pretty good, especially since that outburst. And then he, you know, Baruby said, you can't be doing that. Just go stop the puck. And that was a message that was obviously sent to him. How much does that kind of, was that a crossroads moment for Bennington? Because he's been really good since then.
1: I don't know if I'd call it a crossroads moment, but uh, it, it it definitely was a little bit of a wake-up call. I would I would maybe say that because... You know he's he's a guy that you know is is going to be fired up and be fiery in his own different way. Listen, this guy has come from uh, some 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 tough venues in order to make it to where he's at right now. He's kind of been a me against the world. He, he feels like he's kind of been living in that in that movie where it's him against the world and uh, whatever whatever means possible for him to be able to succeed, he's going to go to those measures. Uh, But I just think that was a moment where Craig Berube not only wasn't getting maybe the goaltending he was wanting from him, but the team play was reflective in in, in itself. I mean, they had gone through a stretch there where what? They had given up uh, eight straight games, I believe it was, where they had given up three goals in a particular period, which is crazy to think in itself, and nine games straight where they allowed four goals or more. And in in today's day and age in the NHL, that's just not a recipe for success. But I think, you know, just getting a little bit of a reset helped him from a from a mental standpoint. Thomas Grice did take over the net for a couple of games there, just kinda gave Jordan Bennington a chance to kinda pause, take a step back and, and, and go back at this again. And uh he's been good ever since. He's been three oh and one in his last four starts and that's what they're gonna need and they're get they're getting some Decent goaltending now from Thomas Grice, uh, who had a nice start in Calgary, and they're going to need it. They're going to need these guys to be at the top of their game if they're going to have the kind of success that they want. And, uh, you know, Bennington's had his stretches where he hasn't been where he wants to be. Then he's been good. And then he took a little bit of a dip again, and now... Now he's back on top of his game again and the Blues are going to hope that he can continue to stay up there.
2: Jordan Kyrou, the hat trick yesterday, he's got 6 goals in his last 3 games, all these games coming on the road on this 5 game uh, road trip. It really feels like uh, we can break down so many things, but in many ways if Kyrou's going well, the team's going well.
1: Oh, for sure. And you know, playing with Robert Thomas has really helped him out, I think. And and I think the two of them have really helped each other out and what I mean by that is we know what kind of offensive players they are, but I think both of these guys are being a little bit more mindful, actually a lot more mindful on the other side of the puck, and I think that's what's fueling them at the other end because they're instead of waiting for somebody to get them the puck, these are two guys that are now kind of uh, in that mold where they're going back and they're retrieving pucks, they're 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 fighting for loose pucks and uh, and taking care of the defensive responsibilities, and it's feeding into their transition which I I think you saw some good examples of that last night uh, where I know the one where Cairo directly goes back into his defensive end, into the corner and is able to retrieve a puck and he, and he, and he's starting the uh, odd man rush the other way and he finishes it off. And I think these guys are starting to understand that at this level, they have to play both ends of the ice. And I just think that, you know, not, not to their fault by any means, but I, I think from where they came from and, you know, playing at the junior level, all these guys really knew how was to play offense, and and that could drive them, and that can fuel them, and give them the success that they need. But at this level, they have to play both ends of the ice, and uh, they're starting to kind of figure that out. Is it again? Is is it a stretch where it's? Is it perfect by any means? No, but they're starting to understand it.
2: Luke Korak continuing to join us as we talk all things St. Louis Blues. Vladimir Tarasenko had the three-assist game yesterday. He's not scoring a ton of goals. He only has uh, the one goal over the course of his last four games, two goals in his last uh, was it seven or eight, so he's not scoring a ton. The assists weren't even there uh, up until yesterday. How do you evaluate the season he's having? Because it just doesn't feel like the numbers are there.
1: It's been inconsistent, but man, I'll be honest with you. I think that when Vladimir Tarasenko is going, he's another one where he's engaged. And when I say engaged, he's physically involved. And when when he gets physically involved, it, it, it seems to spark something in him, and and really gets. He has a way of affecting the game, and more so obviously on the offensive end. But you know, he's he's a bit underrated as a passer. I think he always has been throughout his career. But I think you're starting to see more and more of that, like you said, the puck uh is it going in the net as often as he would probably like? no, but you know I think as long as he has an impact and if he hasn't a hand in the offense like he did last night he doesn't he doesn't score, but he's got three assists, and I think the blues are okay with that I mean as long as he's contributing and that's and that's what they're looking for but uh he's had his chances listen he's he's had some really really good looks at the net, and you know goal scores at some point in time they tend to find a way and I know we're you know over a third into the season right now and you're thinking well you know when's he going to find the way but as long as he's continuing to get the chances I think the team is okay with that and again as long as he's contributing but if he's not getting those opportunities and he's not creating chances for himself that's when I think I would be a little bit more concerned.
2: Luke Korak covers the blues for NHL.com. Just a couple more questions for him. I'm the guy that like, I look at long road trips and I try to analyze the way it's all played out and the way it might impact the team. And this is a long road trip but I kind of like the way it ended up being built where you played the back-to-back and then you got some time off in Vancouver and then you're playing another back-to-back and you're going to get some time off. I assume they'll travel to Vegas a- after the game tonight. It just, it feels like it, a five game road trip is a long time, but you also get some days off on the road, which can be good for the club.
1: They always talk about it being uh, you know, just a chance for the team to bond and, do things together uh, on and off the ice. And, you know, if, if, if your play is going good, then that's just, you know, it, it's reflective on, on both ends of it there. I mean, you know, guys are in a good mood. Guys are more willing to do things together. And yeah, some of these road trips, especially when they're successful tends to bring a team together. And right now, you know, you've banked six out of a possible six points. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if you can get a point tonight or, even even grab two against a really a really tough Seattle team right now. That's maybe one of the surprises of the league. Boy, you're you really got you're really setting yourself up going into that game Friday into Vegas. Then and uh, you know this is a team right now that's playing some pretty good hockey on the road. They need to bring that back home with them when they come because they're under five hundred at home. And you know you're going to have to start uh, banking some of these points, protecting your own barn. So yeah, while it's it, it's been. Uh, a good stretch of road games for them here. And we knew going into this, that it was going to be a tough road trip because these are all teams that were ahead of them in the standings, but three for three so far as so far, so good. And uh, man, if you, if, if, somehow some way you can come out of this with uh, 10 out of a possible 10 points, you're really feeling good about yourself going into Christmas. But regardless, no matter what happens tonight and Friday, I think you still have to look at it as a, success, a successful trip.
2: He is Luke Korak, covers the blues for NHL.com, LKorak 10 on Twitter. Lou, as always, appreciate your time. All right, Matt. Take care. Very good. There's Luke Korak. We're going to switch gears. Very excited to talk to this guy, uh, Ryan Beard. He's the new head coach of Missouri State Football. He is going to join us in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. It's coming up. Sports Open Line here on KMOX. Playing it along with the left. That's
0: a grand slam.
1: This is Sports Open Live on America's Sports Voice. down,
0: Kansas City! KMOX.
2: Missouri State football has had a really good run over the last few years after the hiring of Bobby Petrino. He recently moved on to become the uh, offensive coordinator at UNLV, and Missouri State was in the market for a new coach. They keep it in-house. They bring in Ryan Beard, who has been serving as the defensive coordinator for the past three years, and he joins us right now on the Quiver River Guest Line. Coach, thank you so much uh, for your time. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. You bet. So, take take me through the emotions. How it's feeling. You- you're you're 33 years old. You're you're a head coach at, at Missouri State. How does this feel for you right now? <laughs> the
3: the best way to put it, it's extremely humbling. Um, it-, it really is to actually get the opportunity to be a head coach um, and and coach at a place that you believe in. And, you know, it's a job that it's not quite a rebuild. You know, we've had some, had some good wins and had some, quite a bit of success the last few years. And it's, I, I believe in this place and what it's going to
2: do. When Coach Petrino, who's also your father-in-law, makes the decision that he's going to leave and uh, head to, to UNLV, do you immediately start thinking that maybe there's going to be that opportunity for you to, uh, to move into that head coach role?
3: Absolutely. I'm. You're going to laugh. I'm a forward vision type guy. So when I took the job three years ago from Central Michigan, I, I said, I'm going to soak up every single thing that Bobby does and says and try to prepare myself to be the next head coach here. And you you, you guessed it. As soon as I knew anything was shaking, I don't think that I dialed Kyle and Cliff's number fast enough <laughs> to say, hey, listen, I'm in. I want it. I'm your man. Let's go.
2: I was thinking about this because generally in sports – when head coaches leave, they leave for another head coaching position. So if you're on the staff, you could be sitting there going, "Man, I I hope I become the head coach." But you know what? If I don't, there's probably still going to be a staff position for me at the next place. Well, he left for an offensive coordinator job. That's a little bit different. He's a staff member. He's not. He's not the head coach. And I know as a the the nomadic life of being a, a coach. Anyways, maybe this isn't anything. But it's got to. Is it a little bit unsettling in that situation? Oh, extremely.
3: And the the coaching profession is a unique lifestyle because, you know, when everybody's at home having coffee and cookies and stuff with with their relatives for the holidays, you're sitting there going, man, there's a chance I'm fired and I can't even, you know, I can't even pay the bill the next month. Um, So it's extremely unsettling at times. And, you know, the fortunate ones had a good year and they don't have to be thinking so much about that. But, you know, it, it takes a special kind of person to, you know, pour into these young men and know that, every single year, there's a chance that even if you do well, you're looking for a job. So it, it's a it's a very, very unique situation.
2: This was a program that had not had a lot of success until you guys came in a few years ago, and maybe you hadn't, haven't had the uh, postseason success that you would like, but there's been a lot of regular season uh, successes there. Talk to me about the potential, what you can do to not just continue what's been going on the last three years, but even project it even further.
3: Sure, we've taken steps in the right direction, kind of like you mentioned. I'll just take it even back to three years ago. It, it, when we got here, it was just to instill some hope in these guys to make them understand that if you trust our process and you, and you understand and delve into what we do, you'll be winners. And, you know, like you said, we've had some uh, season success, which is nice. I think we need to continue to recruit at a high level. Um, I think we've got a good foundation set. We need some, you know, some stellar pieces here and there through the recruiting process and I think it can go wherever we want it to go.
2: Is it challenging using the transfer portal at the FCS level where you're going to see some of these FBS guys where you might look at them and say, you know what, the right decision for this kid is to transfer into an FCS program, but maybe they they don't see it and, and just being able to have those conversations and knowing which one of those transfer portal kids to target and which ones to maybe move by?
3: Yeah, it, it 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 has challenges for sure. Because, I mean, it's all about really the sheer numbers of transfer portal guys getting in there. I mean, there was record numbers set this year for portal entries, and you've got a school like Mizzou or Kansas that has five young coaches sitting there just watching the portal and evaluating every kid there. Um, I think one thing that gives us at Missouri State an advantage is our staff has been to a wide range of FBS schools and conferences. So we kind of have – we still have the talent eye for – that level and we have enough connections to where we can cross-reference and really make sure we get a beat on the kid's personality and attitude, which is extremely important when you're trying to build culture as well as with football games.
2: Yeah, you've been at a lot of places. You've been at the FBS level. Just from a relationship standpoint, how important is that for you personally where maybe some of your former colleagues are going to give you a call and say, this kid's leaving this program. You might want to take a look at him.
3: It's it's been awesome. I mean, just the out even when they announced that I was the head coach, the outpouring of of love and you know affection from my peers and mentors. I mean, uh, Jamarcus Shepard, the coordinator at Washington. Jeff Brom, the head coach at Louisville. um, Jim McElwain, Central Michigan's head coach. I mean, it could just it goes on and on. Clayton White, and you got the the guys that I was with because amazingly western kentucky is where i played and it's been like the cradle of coaches lately so Travars robinson the db coach at alabama was my db coach clayton white the defensive coordinator at south carolina was my db coach the titan db coach scott booker i mean it it's such it's such a good recruiting tool and don't get me wrong when i was actually playing there it wasn't much fun going through all those coaches <laughs> but it it, it it certainly helped me in my coaching life and and i really appreciate their 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 love
2: Ryan Beard, he's the new head coach of Missouri State football, continuing to join us here on Sports Open Line. Nick Petrino will remain as offensive coordinator. He's your brother-in-law, right? I want to make sure I get all the family stuff correct. Is that correct? He's your brother-in-law? He, he is. Okay. He is. All right. We'll make sure I get that right. So he stays on as offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. How important is that for the program to uh, just continue that continuity as well?
3: Yeah, it's important. And, you know, when I was talking to um, our AD Kyle Moats. And we talked about the cohesiveness and what we have going as a young staff. I mean, it it has helped in recruiting. It's helped in all those things. But you know, one thing I wanted to tell Nick is, you know, I'm not Bobby Petrino. Nick, you don't have to be Bobby Petrino. We know we have his knowledge base. Now, now let's add let's add your soul to it. Let's let's add some new, fresh flavors to it and build on the foundation that's already set.
2: From a personal standpoint. The- What's it been like the last few years where you're married to the head coach's daughter and the, the son is there? Like, just there's you're all coaches and, and Bobby's the head coach, and there's going to be some uncomfortable conversations at times and there's going to be conflict, like, and separating the personal and the professional. Like, what's, what was that dynamic like for you? And, and it, there's still some level of it now.
3: Yeah, it's, it's always a unique situation. <laughs> I mean you you can't I mean that's always the elephant in the room when you're talking about how things go and this and that. I was actually I was fortunate because I've worked for a bunch of different people and I actually worked for Bobby four years before I even met my wife, Katie. So he knew me a little bit before, knew my mental makeup and knew kind of our relationship was different. Um, I guess you could say, just because again, I've been other places and I knew him and coached for him before, but in my opinion, if you can separate the personal from the business and make sure everything is objective and, you know, everyone's treated fairly and, most importantly, there's the respect among each other of, hey, listen, this is ball, and then on the other side of it, this is personal. If you can continue to make sure you, you keep the boundaries there, everything works out. I think, it's been, I think it's gone extremely smooth, and I don't see that changing.
2: You don't have a ton of St. Louis kids on the roster. There's certainly some, uh, but just the the big cities in Missouri, whether it is St. Louis or we could put Kansas City into this discussion as well. How important is it for you uh, to be active and really recruiting these markets?
3: Oh, yeah. Well, I have a huge smile on my face because I'm sure my boys are listening in the St. Louis area that tomorrow, you know, you know tomorrow there's going to be some shakeup there, so. Uh, we have hit that market. We've hit the Kansas City market. I'm um, I'm fired up to get some uh, some St. Louis pipelines going a little bit further. And the KC area has been good to us. Oklahoma has been good to us. Um, but I love St. Louis. My mom's actually from there. She, uh, she's from the Manchester area, still got family in Kirkwood. So I know the area well, and we're going to start dissecting that and really getting in there.
2: You say shake-up, early signing period. is. I know you're very limited in what you can say. I'm not trying to get you in trouble. But is, is that the avenue you were going down when you say there's a little shake-up coming?
3: Oh, oh! you're good. Tomorrow's going to be a great day for Missouri <laughs> State Bears.
2: Okay. All right. I, I I won't ask any more than that, but we'll certainly keep, uh, keep an eye on that. All right. So la- last thing for you, there's a – look, I can't go anywhere around town without seeing people wearing Missouri State stuff. I see cars all the time with Missouri State stuff. There are a lot of Missouri State alum in the St. Louis market. So tell those Missouri State fans uh, why they should continue to be excited for this football program.
3: Guys, listen, wear your gear wear it proudly, walk proudly, walk into any pub, restaurant, anything chin, chest held high because we're coming, okay? We're going to continue the success. We're going to continue the, the success with the recruiting, and it's a program on the ride. So keep rocking with us.
2: Coach, thank you so much for your time. It's great to know you a little bit. Hopefully we can, uh, can uh, get you on every once in a while.
3: Absolutely. Appreciate you guys having me. Y'all have a
2: great night. All right, you too. That is uh, Ryan Beard, the new Missouri State football coach, joining us here on the program. I've never spoken to him before. I just I set up the, uh, the interview uh, through their sports information department. Missouri State has an incredible uh, sports information department. They are so great. Uh, I've never asked for anything that they haven't uh, taken care of, so I appreciate them. I liked him. I liked him a lot. He was fun to talk to. So we will definitely have uh, Coach Beard on. I can't even imagine the family dynamic. And I think the thing that he mentioned, the fact that uh, he and Bobby Petrino knew each other before he was Petrino's son-in-law. But I can't imagine just the, that, that dynamic of the head coach, the defensive coordinator being the son-in-law, the offensive coordinator being the son. So that's what it had been. And now it's moving into a spot where Ryan's going to be the head coach and his brother-in-law is the offensive coordinator. So technically he's going to be the boss of his brother, like all that stuff. It's uh, Families are complicated. Families are complicated, so good on them for being able to uh, navigate through all of that. Because I can't think that that's uh, overly easy uh, to uh, to deal with. And we'll keep an eye on what's going tomorrow. He, he laid a little uh, little information there that there might be a bit of a shakeup tomorrow uh, when uh, national signing early signing period opening up, national signing day in uh, college football. So we'll see. Uh, how many uh, maybe local kids here in the St. Louis area are uh, committing to uh, Missouri State. They've been doing some work, evidently, on the recruiting trail. So we'll keep an eye out for that coming up as well. As always, if you want to join us, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can also tweet at me if you'd like, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. It's Sports Open Line. We're back with more in just a moment right here on KMOX. Continuing on here on a Tuesday night, the full two-hour edition of the program, we take you till eight o'clock this evening. I think in the Pauli household, we have all the Christmas shopping done for our three-year-old. We have too much stuff. We have so much stuff. We've had to, we're we're calling my office, Santa's workshop, and the door is closed and she cannot get in there because we just have so much stuff. I don't even think we're going to give it all to her. Like We're going to... We're going to hold some of it off for some of her other uh, gift-giving holidays. She has so much stuff. Uh, you, as a as a parent, you're at stores like, oh, my gosh, she would love that. She would love that. Let's get that. Let's get that. Let's get that. And then you're like, oh, why are my credit cards going up so much? And we have too much stuff for her. But I'm sure a lot of parents deal with that sort of thing. 314-436-7900. I was thinking about that because we had Christmas music uh, coming back. So that was my Christmas antidote for the moment. Uh, we got bad weather coming, if you didn't know. That's pretty much all we've uh, been talking about in this city. We are, we're we're forty 48 to 72 hours of talking about nothing but weather, as there's going to be uh, potentially some tough weather on Thursday, really, really cold. Some snow's going to come down, and there's going to be a lot of wind, so it's going to be Maybe, maybe blizzard-like conditions or at least low visibility where uh, stay, being on the road can be a little bit dangerous. The bummer about that is one of the best sporting events that happens in St. Louis every year is happening on Thursday night. And I guess the timeline could change, but like I was listening to Dave Murray talk today during uh, the Dave Glover show, and right now it is sounding like the window of snow coming down is from 1p to 9p. So that's going to impact the ability for people to go to the Bragg and Rights game on Thursday night. And I would assume that both Missouri basketball and Illinois basketball will travel in tomorrow and stay the night in St. Louis, and then they can go through their normal shoot-around and everything that they would normally do on on a Thursday morning at the venue. But I'm just, I am concerned about the fans' ability to be able to get to that game. Some people have asked whether or not that game would be postponed or canceled. I don't I, I don't see that happening. Again, I, I Missouri and Illinois, they're they're both going to be traveling in, you would think, tomorrow night. I don't know for sure what their travel plans are, but that's that's pretty standard in college basketball. So I would assume that they're going to be in St. Louis by tomorrow night. But it's gonna be something where the attendance you would think will very much be impacted by the bad weather. So hopefully hopefully the weather is not as bad and the conditions are not as bad as uh there are some indications, or maybe it'll just hold off for a little while. But for people trying to drive in from Columbia, for people trying to drive in from Champaign, that's not a great situation. So you get that in the wintertime, it's a little bit of a bummer and that's just it's such a great sporting event and it's such a it's such a wonderful atmosphere. I can't tell you how many brag and rights games I went to growing up and just making a night of it and getting dinner beforehand and going out afterwards and doing all... It's such a cool St. Louis sports night, and I just hope that it does not get absolutely destroyed because of bad weather. Saw this today, and I don't even know what to think about this at the moment, but it's interesting, and it could become significantly more interesting uh, over the next few days. The San Francisco Giants had been scheduled to have a news conference today to introduce their new shortstop, Carlos Correa, after Correa agreed to a $350 million 13-year agreement. As an organization, if you're going to hand somebody a 13-year agreement, you better be sure that that player is somebody that can hold up for 13 years. Well, two people with direct knowledge of the situation told the Associated Press that a medical concern has arisen regarding Korea, and that's why they are holding off on any type of announcement. Uh, it's not clear, according to the good folks at the Associated Press. On whether or not the two sides have discussed renegotiating the contract. Um, he is somebody who has a hard time staying healthy. That's the that's the thing. Like when they signed him to the 13-year contract, the first thing we should have been saying is this guy can't play a full season. He has played at least 150 games in a season just once. Because of various injuries. And you're giving this guy a 13-year deal. He's a really good player. A really good player. Uh, When we were going through the discussions on whether or not the Cardinals could upgrade their shortstop position, I didn't want much to do with Dansby Swanson. But the Cardinals, it would have been an upgrade. And this is not a knock on Tommy Edmond. Tommy Edmond's a good player. But it would have been an upgrade if it was Carlos Correa, if it was Xander Bogarts, or if it was Trey Turner. Those were the guys that were a clear upgrade. Swanson's a little bit of an upgrade, but he's you get so much less value for him when you just look at how much money uh, the Cubs gave him. So uh, uh, again, Swanson wasn't want anybody anybody that want anything to do with. But just just watch this. Ninety five percent chance they figure out this medical issue. And they get it cleared, and he signs with the team. Maybe they change up the the contracts somewhat they they put an opt out in there somewhere. Maybe they get more insurance on them that you know the the Lords of London or whatever it is type insurance policies that teams will get on players. maybe you get a little bit more insurance on on Korea in case he can't stay healthy. like what whatever you need to do in all likelihood, you do it. But I, I think it's notable that here we are. It's been a while. It's been since December 13th. So it's been a full week since they agreed with Correa and they haven't announced anything. Can you imagine what it would be like if we would have had that news about Wilson Contreras and we're still just sitting here going, when are they going to announce this deal? What's going on? Well, that's that's what's happening right now with the Giants. So who knows? Maybe maybe it's not going to work out. Maybe all of a sudden Carlos Correa is going to be uh, back out there, and that would be an interesting development to be sure. One hour down, one more to go. We've got a lot to get to. We'll talk Missouri uh, football and basketball. We'll talk some soccer. Much, much more all coming up in the second hour. at Sports Open Line
0: on KMOX.